Well, good evening. This is your pastor. And uh, uh, what I'm doing is I'm wanting to uh, read for you a section out of Pilgrim's Progress that really uh, went along with the message this morning um, about the old and the new. And uh, it takes several minutes. And I figured uh, you'd rather me do it this way and see it tonight than to uh, add uh, the minutes on to the sermon this morning. So I hope this is beneficial to you. I'm going to be reading from uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Um, this is after Christian has left uh, the city of destruction and he has gone through the slew of despond. Uh, he has come uh, to the gate um, where uh, he has been encouraged by the evangelist uh, to, uh, to go and to knock. And uh, so I want to begin reading. You have to remember, this is going to be a, uh, a rendering of uh, part of Pilgrim's Progress from a modern translation of it and, uh, and done with a South Alabama accent. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it encourages your heart. Uh, there's many truths that are in here, and I'm going to leave out some of the, uh, the scenes uh, that are in this uh, context. So let me begin reading. Uh, for it says, Christian moved to step through the gate, and to his surprise, goodwill, and you have to remember this is an allegory, and every character is named after the quality of their character. So goodwill tugged him forward and hurried him inside. And Christian stared at him in disbelief and straightened his jacket and asked, What's the meaning of this? Well, a little distance from this gate there is erected a strong castle of which Beelzebub is the captain. Of course, we know that to be Satan. And from that castle, both he and those with him shoot arrows at those who come up to this gate. It is their hope that those who arrive at this gate may die before they have a chance to enter it. So Christian pressed his lips into a thin line as he considered the man's words. And he said, I rejoice and tremble, for he was both relieved and thankful for the favor shown him. And once he was inside the gate, Goodwill asked him, Who directed you here? Evangelist told me to come here to the gate and to knock. And so I did. And he told me that you, sir, and he nodded toward Goodwill, would tell me what I must do. An open door is set before you and no man can shut it. So Christian let out a sigh of relief. Now, I begin to reap the benefits of the risk I took and the dangers I faced in getting here. We don't object to any entering here, no matter what they have done in the past before they come here, and in no way are they cast out. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out, John 6.37. Therefore, my good Christian, come and walk with me a little distance, and I will teach you about the way you must go. Look ahead of us. Do you see this narrow way? That is the way you must go. It was established by the patriarchs, the prophets, Christ, and his apostles. The way is straight. Follow it, for this is the way you must go. Straight? asked Christian. You mean to tell me there are no turns or bends, no detours in the way by which a stranger may lose his way? 
Oh yes, there are many side paths that connect to this narrow way, but they are crooked and wide. You must distinguish the right way from the wrong by paying attention to that which is straight and narrow. For the gate is small, the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Matthew 7.14 It is the glory of the next world that will never wear out. While the good things of this world, they will vanish. For he who is first must yield to the one who is last, because his good things vanish. While the one who is last will have his time to come, but gives place to nothing, for there is nothing to follow. He who has his inheritance first uses it and spends it, but he who has his portion last has it forever. Therefore it is said of the rich man, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. Luke 16.25 Then that means it's not good to crave things of this present world, but to wait for things to come, Christian said. That is true. For we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In 2 Corinthians 4.18 However, even though this is true, since things of the here and now and our fleshly desires are so closely related to one another, and because things to come and our carnal desires are opposed to one another, It is the present things and fleshly desires with which we so quickly establish a relationship. While distance is maintained between our desires and the things to come. So then I saw in my dream that the interpreter, we're to understand that's the Holy Spirit, he took Christian by the hand and led him to a place where a fire burned in a fireplace in the wall. And a man stood by it continually throwing buckets of water on the flames, trying to quench it. However, the fire only burned higher and hotter. And Christian asked, what does this mean? The interpreter answered, the fire is the work of grace that has been kindled in the heart. The man throwing water on it to extinguish it and to put out the flame, it's the devil. Even though he continues to pour water on the fire, you can see the fire burns higher and hotter. And let me show you the reason for this. So the interpreter led Christian behind the wall to the other side of the fire, where he saw a man with a container of oil in his hand. The man continually poured oil from the container secretly into the fire. What does this mean, Christian asked? The interpreter answered, This is Christ. He continually maintains the work already begun with the oil of his grace into the heart. By this grace, in spite of what the devil can do, the souls of his people still prove to be gracious. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me.
2 Corinthians 12, 9. The man you saw who stood behind the wall to maintain the fire, this was shown to teach you that it is hard for those who are tempted to understand how this work of grace is maintained in the soul. Now a man said to the one who records uh, the names in the book, by the way, this is a, a, another scene. I forgot to introduce that. Uh, it's when Christian sees a man who uh, signs up, that is, gives his life to Christ, and immediately he is he's covered with armor, given a sword, and the fight begins. And when Christian sees this, he says he wants to sign up. So he says to the man who records the name in the book, write my name down. And immediately he was fitted with armor and sword, and then he was engaged in ten battles. So now let me go forward. But the interpreter shook his head. No, you must stay until I have shown you a little more. And after that, you may be on your way. So the interpreter reached and took Christian by the hand and led him into a very dark room where a man sat in an iron cage. The man appeared very sad. His eyes stared downcast at the ground, his hands folded with his fingers intertwined. He sighed if his heart would break. And Christian looked at the sad man and said to the interpreter, What does this mean? To talk to, talk to him, he said. He pointed to the man in the cage, and Christian looked to the man and asked, What are you doing here? And the man answered, I am what I once was not. What were you once? The man said, I was once an attractive and thriving, professing Christian. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear and receive the word with joy, and yet they have no firm root, they believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Luke 8, 13. But in my own eyes and in the eyes of others, I was at one time totally convinced that I was on my way to the celestial city, which is to be understood as heaven. I even had joyous thoughts about my arrival there. Well, what are you now, Christian asked. The man let out another sigh. I am now a man of despair and held captive by it. Just as his iron cage portrays, I cannot get out. Oh, how depressed I am because I cannot get out. But what happened? How did you end up in this condition? I neglected to watch and be sober. I loosened the restraints that kept my lust in check. I sinned against the light of the word and the goodness of God. With each statement, his voice grew more troubled. I have grieved the spirit and he is gone. I flirted with temptation and the devil came in. I have provoked God to anger and he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. Christian tore his eyes from the man in the cage and looked to the interpreter. Is there no hope for such a man? Ask him. The interpreter nodded toward the caged man. Christian did 
As the interpreter said and asked the man, Do you have any hope that you will not be kept in the iron cage of despair? And the man's eyes stared at the floor again. No, none at all. And then he began to explain, I have crucified him again by my life. They again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame, Hebrews 6.6. I have despised his person, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us, Luke 19.14. I have despised his righteousness and regarded his blood as an unholy thing. I have acted spitefully to the spirit of grace. So how much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace? Hebrews 10:29. Therefore I have shut myself out of all the promises of God. Now there remains for me nothing but but threats, dreadful threats, truthful threats of certain judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour me as an enemy. Well, why? For what reasons did you bring yourself to this sorry condition? And the man's eyes looked up for a moment. For the lust, pleasures, and profits of this world It was the lure of the enjoyment of these things that I promised myself increasing pleasure. His eyes drooped to stare at the floor again. But now, every one of those things bites and snaps at me. They gnaw at my soul like a burning worm. But you can't repent and turn from this despicable condition? The man slowly shook his head. No. For God has denied me repentance. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God, the powers of the age to come, and then they have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. So his word gives me no encouragement to repent. Yes, I am one who is shut up in this cage. I know those words seem very difficult and very hard for us to receive because it seems as if this man appeared to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But the reality was trials, temptations, time, the Word of God, the, um, I guess, the the persecutions of other people, uh, the fact that he was uh, oftentimes seemingly alone. Uh, He had sought the pleasures of the world. It says he had tasted as it were, of the gift. It reminds me of Judas, who lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, heard his word, experienced his grace, and yet 
was not a man in Christ. And so it is for this man in Christ. He's, he's not in Christ. He's a man caught up in himself. And so the, the wisdom is, is for us to seek Christ. Christ with all of our heart. To, to come to know that it is by his grace that through faith in Christ that we come to be in Christ. And in Christ we are new creations. We're not like the old. We've become altogether new. Now, that doesn't mean we don't bring the old with us. But one day that old will have its end when we are glorified in heaven. And so it's some words of warning that are here, as well as words of encouragement to our soul. We are saved by grace, kept by grace. For it is Christ who saves us, and it is Christ who keeps us. I pray you're blessed by the reading uh, from Pilgrim's Progress, and I hope where you can see that it ties in uh, to the message uh, that uh, you heard this morning, and I hope it encourages you in your walk with Christ. <music>